text for the message this morning is 1 Samuel chapter 1, verse 21 to 28, and chapter 2, verses 18 to 21. We see the dedication of Samuel and the consequences, the result. 1 Samuel chapter 1, verse 21 is found on page 225 in the Pew Bible. I'd like to read along. And hear the word of the Lord. The man Elkanah and all his house went up to offer to the Lord the yearly sacrifice and to pay his vow. But Hannah did not go up, for she said to her husband, As soon as the child is weaned, I will bring him, so that he may appear in the presence of the Lord and dwell there forever. Elkanah, her husband, said to her, do what seems best to you. Wait until you have weaned him. Only may the Lord establish his word. So the woman remained and nursed her son until she weaned him. And when she had weaned him, she took him up with her, along with the three-year-old bull, an ephah of flour, and a skin of wine. And she brought him to the house of the Lord at Shiloh. And the child was young. And they slaughtered the bull they brought the child to Eli, and she said, O oh my Lord, as you live, my Lord, I am the woman who was standing here in your presence praying to the Lord. For this child I prayed, and the Lord has granted me my petition that I made to him. Therefore I have lent him to the Lord. As long as he lives, he is lent to the Lord. And he worshipped the Lord there. In chapter 2, Starting at verse 18 to 21, Samuel was ministering before the Lord, a boy clothed with a linen ephod, and his mother used to make for him a little robe and take it to him each year when she went up with her husband to offer the yearly sacrifice. Then Eli would bless Elkanah and his wife and say, may the Lord give you children by this woman for the petition she asked of the Lord. So then they would return to their home. Indeed, the Lord visited Hannah, and she conceived and bore three sons and two daughters. And the boy Samuel grew in the presence of the Lord. Beloved Church of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, there was a well-known time in church history when people were so in love with the Lord and so focused on his heavenly kingdom that they would leave their earthly, their stations in society for a simple life that was dedicated completely to scripture reading, to prayer, to praise for God, worship, study, and acts of charity. In the style of faith missions today, the participants of these kingdom-focused cloisters relied on God's provision through sponsors and donors for the overhead costs and through their gardens and their animals for their daily sustenance. The people who, had, who joined, they renounced all the worldly pleasures and they tried to focus their hearts completely on the triune God as the only source of their fulfillment, and their satisfaction, and their peace. 
Although it's common to only remember the negative stories of hidden sins of alcoholism and adultery and apathy in these cloisters, historians have shown that many monks and nuns were very sincere in their dedication to the Lord. Many were involved in extraordinary acts of charity and kindness and care as they provided refuge and medical care and academic advancement and even scientific discoveries that transform the world they were living in. Whenever we think about monasteries and convents, they make us question our own devotion, our own dedication to God and to his kingdom. Our text today reveals that God used the dedication of people who made sacrifices for the benefit of the church to carry on his plan of redemption. Elkanah and Hannah's self-sacrificial dedication to God's kingdom also anticipated the greater sacrifice that God made to realize their hopes for redemption. By answering their prayers, to uh, the Lord showed that they were right to value salvation from God above everything else in the world. The reward for their faithfulness continues to be enjoyed by the church today in 2023. As God's kingdom continues to advance and, and we can see it with our own eyes and the number of his elect are, are gathered in from all the corners of the earth, we, are, we have the privilege of being a part of this work as members of Christ's church. And as we look at what the Lord did in Samuel's days, and as we think about what the Lord is revealing about his, his plan of salvation in our place in his work, the question that we face today is whether we truly want to have a role in this continuing work of redemption. Do we love God's work in the world enough to accept the cost of being Christ's disciples, to dedicate ourselves completely to his kingdom and his work. But when God's spirit lives in us, we, we will find that we do embrace the payment that Christ made for our sins with a, with a joy and an enthusiasm of true disciples who deny ourselves, who take up our cross and who follow our Lord. I preach this gospel under the theme Samuel's dedication to the Lord reveals that salvation is costly. We'll see the child who was given to God, we'll see the son who was given by God, and the children who live with God. We have our Bibles open before us again. We see in, in chapter 1, Samuel, verse 11, that in her longing for deliverance from misery created by a church that was losing sight of the promise of the Messiah, Hannah made a vow. She vowed a vow and said, O Lord of hosts, if you will indeed look on the affliction of your servant and remember me and not forget your servant, but will give to your servant a son, then I will give him to the Lord all the days of his life, and no razor shall touch his head. Hannah promised to dedicate her firstborn son 
to the Lord all the days of his life, just as the Lord had commanded Samson's parents to do in the book of Judges, Judges 13. And now that specific phrase, no razor shall touch his head, seems to be a, a quote of a part of the Lord's instruction in number 6 that we read about concerning the people who made a special vow to separate themselves to the Lord for a certain period of time as one who is holy to the Lord, separated for the Lord's service. This vow, called the Nazarite vow, included not only not cutting their hair, like we read, not drinking any alcohol or anything from grapes or not going near a dead body. And then if you kept reading in number 6, you would see that when the days of their separation were over, they were also supposed to offer many sacrifices to the Lord and cut off their hair and, and burn it on the altar. Although no specific reason was given to explain why a person might want to separate themselves to the Lord for a period and, and what was in Hannah's mind when she was bringing Samuel into this, it appears to have the, pulpit, the purpose of refocusing their attention on the Lord. And by doing that with, with one or two people, it would also draw attention of the whole congregation, the whole church, to the fact that they were all dedicated to the Lord by His plan. Now the striking thing in our passage is that in contrast to Samson's parents, who were told by God to set Samson apart as a Nazarite, from the womb and for all his life, which was very unique, Hannah had not received the command from the Lord to do this. She was so eager for the Lord's work in the church in her time that she voluntarily gave her son to the Lord, not just for a temporary period, but for his whole life. And she stuck to it, too. For when the child was, was given to her as she had asked she made it clear that when she, when she brought him to the temple, that he would be there forever, verse 22. As long as he lives, verse 28. His dedication to the Lord showed Hannah's desire that her son be used by the Lord to wake Israel up to their special relationship with the Lord as the covenant people of God. Our text today opens our eyes to see how the Holy Spirit continues to keep the love for God alive in the church today. That concern that you feel for the church that is becoming increasingly worldly and self-centered, that concern is, is worked in your heart by the Holy Spirit. The Lord tells us not to quench the Holy Spirit who opens our eyes to see how we must keep on reforming to be in line with the Word of God who leads us to want to sacrifice our comforts for the sake of His church. Makes us ask the question, what are, what are we doing to keep the reminders of being a special people devoted to the Lord in the hearts of this church today? Do we talk about the promises we have received with our children? Do we love the work of God in the world enough to submit to his call to, to give his kingdom the priority in everything? Well, Hannah, together with her husband, Elkanah, 
represent the faithful remnant of God's people who are being led by the Holy Spirit in their love for God, their faith in his promise to bring salvation, their commitment to that church that he is gathering in the world. When we read 1 Samuel 1, verse 21 to 28, we learn that both Hannah and Elkanah are completely committed to Hannah's vow to dedicate Samuel to the Lord. We see that in in verse 21, he's not only going to offer the yearly sacrifice, but also to pay his vow. It's possible that vow refers to another vow that Elkanah had made, but the context makes it more probable that Elkanah had adopted Hannah's vow as his own, even though as a husband he had the, the right to revoke it and tell her that she couldn't keep the vow. He understood it to be his as well. And in fact, by expressing his desire in verse 23, only may the Lord establish his word, rather than saying, let's just make sure we keep our vow. Elkanah showed that he recognized that the Lord himself, who had given them the child they had asked for, that he was at work in their family. Perhaps this explains Elkanah's readiness to bring Samuel to the Lord even before he was weaned. Well, thankfully for Samuel's well-being and health, Hannah's wisdom prevailed, and she took the extra two to five years to wean her infant. And that weaning period did not hinder her commitment to the vow that she had made. And as we read about them bringing Samuel to the Lord, we get a real sense of, of the size of the sacrifice that this family wanted to make in their zeal for the church. We can picture what it would have been like to be a mother nursing her long-awaited and often prayed for son, knowing that just in a few years the child would be entrusted to the care of another. Although every other mother in Israel who was legitimately married and blessed with a child, every other mother was, was keeping her children in, in the home in their infancy and rejoicing with these children in their, in their childhood. Hannah had committed herself to being a surrogate mother to a child who would be given to her Lord and to her country. We can understand how difficult this was for her. Imagine what that would have been like for Hannah. It was truly a sacrifice that only God fulfilling his word could bring to fulfillment. And the sacrifice the couple made is really emphasized in this passage. Not only did they bring this little son to the Lord and and give him to the Lord, which lending to the Lord for his entire life really means... But they accompanied this dedication of their son with a, with a massive sacrifice. Although it's not clear what the, what the sacrifice and was all destined for, the, the bull or three-year-old or perhaps even more likely the three bulls, the 22 liters of flour and that wine that they brought was an exceptionally large offering. 
If you start comparing it with other offerings, you see that it, that it goes beyond most requirements for sacrifices in the law. There was a cost involved to serving the Lord, and Elkanah and Hannah went, went beyond the requirements to make it clear that they were more than happy to do whatever they could in their desire to serve the Lord in his work of redemption. They longed for the redemption from, that was caused from, from the redemption from misery that was caused by sin that much. And again, we see this dedication, this willingness to, to give all to the kingdom. We ask ourselves, do we understand the value of God's work in the world to seek to walk with him with that same genuine commitment to his work in the world? Or are we just going through the motions without really having that work of God clear in our minds, standing there as a reality? Are we living as if Christ is not the eternal king who is coming again on the clouds? Have we become so worldly in, in what we're doing and how we spend our time so attached to this degenerating society? How often do we think of the triune God and his glory and majesty before us when we're not in church worshiping him? How often do you think of him during the week? The work of Christ. Are you willingly making sacrifices for that work of the Lord as you, as you follow Christ? Or do we have the attitude that we don't need to do anything that might cost us some of our comforts? And we have to make choices between things the church is doing and our own hobbies, our own families. What kind of choices are we making? What are we showing by these choices? We think about what our Lord Jesus taught in the New Testament. We can ask the question, if discipleship doesn't really cost us anything, or if we're unwilling to, to make any sacrifices for the sake of God's kingdom, have we truly grasped what Christ has done? What it means to belong to him? Well, the Lord made it clear to Alcana and Hannah that there would be a personal cost for those who would serve the Lord's work as he brought salvation to the world. They understood that the, the fall into sin meant that salvation from misery would not be possible without sacrifice. And not just the sacrifice of animals, but of the Messiah whom God had promised. The Son who was given by God. Elkanah and Hannah's willingness to give their own son to the work of the Lord, who had promised to bring redemption, prepared the people of God, prepares us today for, for that gospel message. That God would send his own son to take on our human nature so that he could die for sinners. Elkanah and Hannah's offering of their own son to the Lord remind us of Genesis 22 with, with Abraham who was willing to also sacrifice his son to God's plan. 
Their, all, their offering also teaches us what it meant for our Heavenly Father to send His only begotten Son into the world. We get into this understanding a little bit when we imagine what it would have been like to, to give a, a three to five year old boy into the hands of the priest at the temple where there was so much confusion and rebellion. We get a deeper understanding of the love of God would send his own son into a world that did not want him. The good news for us today is that Elkanah and Hannah's offering of their son foreshadowed that greater offering of God when he did come down and took on our human nature. Not just to serve some time in in a tent of meeting, but to give his life on a cross for our sins. If dedicating Samuel for service in the tent of meeting far from home was a great sacrifice for the well-being of the church, we could see how much greater was the sacrifice that the Son of God who, who gave himself up to die for undeserving sinners, even though he was perfectly innocent. And our confessions highlight this aspect of the sacrifice of our Son, of our Savior, the Son of God. And it speaks to us not only of of the real love between the Father and the Son as, as God, the triune God, but also as it speaks about the real anger and the offense that our sins caused when they were on the shoulders of the Son of God. The giving of the Son of God for the church in a world that didn't even want to receive him as far beyond what Elkanah and Hannah did. The results were also far greater. The wickedness of sin that had caused so much misery and had broken so many relationships could only be conquered by the greater love of our faithful, eternal creator. Salvation of God's people was only possible through God's self-sacrificial love. And we see salvation comes at a cost. And when we start getting a sense of of this, then we start understanding the, the, the joy of the church in this time of Christmas, the incarnation. We also can see how valuable God's work for us really is. It inspires a dedication that Hannah and Elkanah show. Sometimes when people learn about and when they talk about the Christian faith, their minds remain at a very academic level. They talk about the Christian faith as if it's a a list of facts that we need to remember. Theology or or the study of, of God remains only something for the minds. But as we read 1 Samuel, we see that that theology involves the, the heart, the understanding from our, from our guts. Teaching is meant to, to also influence our, our behavior. When we see what the Lord did, when we, when we put it in the context of our, our text today, when Samuel was just a young boy and it's mentioned so many times, we can begin to understand what the Lord did when he came down from heaven. And then we realize we cannot talk about the Father 
sending his son into the world in the same way as if it's just an academic fact. He sent his son to utter humiliation among the world, among people in the world. And finally to death on a cross even though he was innocent. And he did it for people who didn't ask for this love. We can't talk about that without feeling and understanding what a sacrifice that was. And as we understand that, we see the love, the depth of the love of our Heavenly Father for us. Because He did that for you. He did that for, for you and I. How deep the Father's love for us. It's really beyond our comprehension. It's hard to imagine Hannah giving her, her son to the Lord. But, but even this goes so much beyond that. So that we might be adopted into his family. So that we might belong to him. And then we see the wonderful benefits of that costly payment that has been made in the kingdom. When Elkanah and Hannah brought Samuel to the temple, they explained to Eli, and she says that in verses 26 and following, that, that they were giving, Eli, or giving Samuel back to the Lord. They, they were saying that Samuel was a wave offering. You read about wave offerings in, in, in the Old Testament in Numbers 8. That's when the priests, they did that with offerings that they received. They put their hands under the offering first to show that they received them, uh, or, or they put their hands sorry, over them, and then they put their hands under them. What they received from the Lord, they, they took to themselves. They, they gave to the Lord. They even did that with Levites. The Levites, as, as a people, were consecrated to the Lord. It was a part of that cost of, of the redemption of the firstborn of Israel from Egypt. These things are in Elkanah and Hannah's mind. Eli would have known about that as well. The, what they had received from the Lord, they, they gave back to the Lord. For they had hope in the coming Messiah. They believed that he had been given to them. So that he might carry on his, his work of, of salvation. And then when we get to chapter 2, we see how they, they confirmed their conviction. They, they would visit every year. They prepare a little robe for Samuel. And then our minds go to the task of parents with respect to their children. The Spirit shows us the impact of the prayers of parents that their children may be dedicated to the Lord's service. Could it be that the shortage of, of ministers in, in the Federation and in the Reformed churches is, is a result of a, a shortage of, of prayers because there's a shortage of desire for the advance of, of God's kingdom? Do we understand the, the impact of of a life dedicated to the Lord for the next generation. And the role of Samuel's parents and, and their commitment, it stands out in the context. You, you can see that if you look at the verses right before, the ones we read in chapter 2 about Eli's worthless sons. Later you can read about Samuel's own sons. And as we consider Jesus' warning against anyone who causes these little ones to stumble in Matthew 18, 
And it asks ourselves, what influence are we having or have we had on our children? Can they see the dedication the Spirit works in our hearts? Can we see the fruits of our parenting decisions, our expressed view of, of Christ and His church in the world? Can we see that in their lives? Can we see how God uses that passion and that faithfulness and that commitment and dedication to the kingdom of, of one generation as a blessing for the next generation? The summary of this portion of Scripture in chapter 2 is focused on the dedication of Samuel to the Lord and it ends in verse 21, chapter 2, verse 21 with the words, and the boy Samuel grew in the presence of the Lord. The words in the presence of have the sense of with the Lord at his side. That's where Samuel grew, with the Lord at his side. It, it, it's a beautiful picture of a very special relationship between that boy Samuel dedicated to the Lord and the Lord God Almighty. The boy Samuel, we read in verse 28, he worshipped the Lord there. And his close connection to, to the Lord was visible to everyone in the land. For his hair was growing long because of his Nazarite vow. And he wore a, a linen ephod, which is a, is a white and, and simple vest that was reserved for ministry in the tabernacle. In his appearance and in his place and, and in his, 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 his life, he showed that he was dedicated to the Lord. The people would see him there, the child in those garments of the priest, the service, and they would remember that the Lord was at work in the world, which is exactly what Hannah was praying for. as She longed for reformation and for revival, bringing our children into the, the presence of the Lord so that they might walk with the Lord, that the Lord might walk with them. It has sanctifying results for us and our children and, and for the entire church. You see what an encouragement this is for, for, for parents to give an example of dedication to our children. Bringing them into the presence of the Lord so that we might walk with the Lord every day of our lives. You think about how you're doing that in your homes. How your homes serve like a temple where God himself dwells by his spirit. The children of the next, the gen next generation can see and experience the, the amazing depth of the love of God for us in Christ Jesus. See how the Lord does powerful things through those who make these sacrifices, dedicating their hearts and their lives to him. Well, besides accompanying Samuel, the Lord also heard Eli's intercession. Eli noticed that they had given this child to the Lord and they, he asked for, for some compensation for the petition for Samuel. And the Lord granted his request and Elkanah and Hannah had five more children to take the empty spot in their homes created by Samuel's dedication to the Lord. They had entrusted all they had to the Lord 
and the Lord filled their home with his blessings. They had sought first the, the kingdom of God, and all these things were added unto them. The work of the child who had gone ahead to bring the word of God and holiness and justice back to the church would be enjoyed by his brothers and sisters that were born into the new situation of God's blessing. For Samuel was given, and his brothers and sisters could enjoy the grace of God to them all. This reminds us also of the texts that speak of how our, our Lord Jesus and his work, he, he brings many sons to glory. That he's the, the first fruits of the harvest, but many more will, will be able to enjoy the, the work, the fruit of his labor. And we're among those. We are those who have been adopted into his family. We are those who have been brought in to the blessings that the Son of God has obtained by his work. We share in the new reality of peace with God through Jesus Christ. We're, we're farther along again in the history of redemption for, for the Messiah that Hannah was longing for had come. You see but we're bringing our children, bringing the next generation into, into redemption through death on a cross, into the, the Holy Spirit living and, and working right here in, in our midst, in the hope of the return of Jesus Christ in glory, when we will be there to receive him with joy. By God's grace, everyone who believes in the triune God, may share in his work. Is brought in together, believers and, and their children. May we dedicate our hearts, our lives, our time, our money, our focus to this king, to this kingdom. Amen. Now stand, if we're able to stand and sing together the last two stanzas of Psalm 84, again expressing what a, a joy it is to dwell in the presence of the Lord, to walk uh, before him in, in, in all that we do. Psalm 84 stanzas 5 and 6, standing if you're able to stand. 